0: Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I am back for the third season. And wow, so much has changed since season two. Mainly in that I've been on my own journey through pregnancy and have joined this crazy, incredible club of motherhoods. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pip, a practicing NHS midwife and enthusiast of all things women's wellness. I have a somewhat relentless passion for ensuring women are empowered with real, honest and reliable information and support throughout their pregnancy. Because my goodness, pregnancy is such a powerful time in a woman's life that is often miraculous and challenging in equal measures. Over the upcoming weekly episodes, I am joined by many leading experts to bring you the evidence-based information and top tips to navigating your pregnancy and motherhood journey that you need to hear. Needless to say, I had my notebook at hand when recording this season, and I would recommend the same for you too. I hope you're ready for the giggles, knowledge bombs, and empowering chats to commence. But before I get quizzing our guests on this season, I have some questions for you. Have you found yourself with unanswered pregnancy questions? Have you been guilty of trying to navigate the rabbit warren of inaccurate information on the internet? Do you feel that extra support and guidance would be useful to you? If you answered yes to any of these, then fear not. My exclusive Your Pregnancy Journey course is for you. Spaces are limited, so if expert guidance through each stage of your pregnancy and birth preparation and a community support group with 24 access to asking questions, sounds like it's for you? then head over to www.midwifepip.com now to check it out. And I look forward to getting to know you better and ensuring your pregnancy journey is the most empowering and positive it can be. You'll also find information all about my antenatal course options on my website. And any questions about choosing the right course for you, then please get in touch via the contact page. And I'll be there to help you navigate the right choice. It's not a surprise to us that our bodies undergo enormous change during pregnancy and childbirth. And one of the biggest issues women are often faced with is diastasis recti, whereby the abdominal muscles separate, leaving us a gap. For many women, this can have a huge impact on their physical and psychological wellness. And it's not a condition that is commonly discussed prenatally leaving women unsure as to why a diastasis has happened to their body and what can be done to help correct it. So I am very pleased to be joined by a diastasis reptile expert, Gronje Donnelly, to reveal why we all need to know about this surprisingly common symptom. Gronje is an advanced physiotherapist in pelvic health, and her particular areas of interest include diastasis and perinatal exercise. She's involved in research on both of these topics and looks forward to exploring and developing how we understand them so that we can better serve the women of today's world. Gronje is an honorary member of the Perinatal Physical Activity Research Team and is on the Specialist Advisory Board of the Active Pregnancy Foundation. So welcome to the Pregnancy Wellness Podcast and thank you so much for coming on to share your expertise and bust all of these myths with us today.
1: Oh, thank you, Pip. I'm so delighted to be invited on and I'm so happy that you want to talk about this topic because, as you've said, it's often something that women have never heard of until they're faced with it.
0: Yeah definitely and actually coming from a midwife perspective it's not something we're kind of taught about in our training and yet we're seeing women with this symptom happening to them every single day but it's not something that's embedded so we're relying on yourselves to educate us as well so I'm very grateful.
1: Oh I look forward to talking all sort of things about it. I think one of the biggest things is there's probably people listening today who are like diastasis what? Like what does that even mean? And it's really just a fancy or technical or scientific term for how we describe a thinning and widening of the connective tissue along our midline abdominal wall. So nothing has actually really torn or ripped apart. And I like to highlight that because it can be a very scary thing to hear you have diastasis. And I think it's really important that we understand what it actually is. So it's just all of us have that connective tissue down the midline. And it's between our two six-pack muscles. So everybody can appreciate our six-pack muscles. We don't always see them, but we all have them. (laughs) And down the midline, we have connective tissue called the linea alba. And basically, it's there for a reason. It's very clever. It's made to expand for pregnancy so that our abdominal wall can stretch. Because if you think about how much our abdominal wall lengthens when we're pregnant, it's quite significant. So that tissue gives us a little bit of give. For some women, it doesn't naturally resolve after having a baby. And that's where it's important to know about it so that people can get help. And it just means that there can be a bit of what seems like a gap between the two six pack muscles on either side.
0: Sure. So is it safe to say then, because when we think about how our bodies change in pregnancy, every pregnant woman develops a bump, their abdomen has to grow to accommodate a growing baby. So does that mean that all pregnant women will effectively have a diastasis in pregnancy, like 100% we're all in?
1: Yeah, so there actually has been some research that has demonstrated this, so when they looked at first-time moms and they looked at them before pregnancy or in early pregnancy and what their linea alba width was and they then followed them through pregnancy, everybody experienced thinning and widening and it's exactly for that reason. We all have to have a bump that accommodates this increase in size and so therefore it shouldn't be something that we're overly fearful of during pregnancy because it's pretty normal. So. Sometimes how women will know that they have a little bit of weight there during pregnancy is that we all have our bump. And sometimes when we do movements like getting out of bed or usually people see it in the bath because you have to get up a certain way out of the bath. So sometimes if we're getting out of the bath, you can have your bump, and it sometimes points a little bit or cones or goes into an odd shape. Now, I have a lot of women who think that that was just the baby, um, and it's just simply the shape of our tummy because the muscles are being used. So, when our rectus abdominis muscles tighten, then sometimes that gap can become more obvious and it points out. If you see this during pregnancy, it's nothing to panic about or worry about. You just simply think, All right, okay, I'm, I'm coming towards the end of my pregnancy. That's probably that normal widening i must make sure someone checks this afterwards and that would be as simple as i would put it
0: and that's a really key point so firstly that's really reassuring to hear that this is really normal so women that are thinking oh my goodness this has happened to my abdomen well welcome to the club it's happened to every woman's abdomen that's ever been pregnant so super reassuring we can rest easy on that one but actually what you said about getting it checked afterwards and i think that's something that we should probably just delve into a little bit more if you're happy to go on yeah, because I think that's something that probably doesn't happen. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I feel like probably a small percentage of women will come and see someone like yourself, but probably a lot of women will either suffer in silence, perhaps be, be embarrassed, or not even know that service is out there.
1: Yeah, I know you're absolutely right. And it's it's one of those things that there's, I know a lot of, even in the health trust that I used to work in, a lot of the midwives were getting more in tune with kind of keeping an eye out for women with diastasis and maybe checking them on the ward but really yes that's maybe good to give an indication but really all of us will have some degree of a separation straight after birth so I wouldn't be overly worried if someone checks you on the ward and says you have a three finger width gap or something I would be like okay I'll keep an eye on that it's more down the line to say around the time of your six to eight week postpartum check Oftentimes our postpartum checks with the GP don't involve a physical examination like this. They just don't have time. They may not have the expertise for that particular evaluation. And so it's not not a downfall on their part. But what's really useful is that a lot of pelvic health physiotherapists out there across the UK are now doing postpartum checks, which means that women can come and get their abdominal wall their pelvic floor if they want, and just a generalized um, evaluation from for being postpartum to see what sort of strength and conditioning needs they may have. And it's a really useful, often one-time check just to find out where you're at make sure you're doing pelvic floor exercise correctly, check whether you have any unresolving diastasis or abdominal separation, and just find out what you need to focus on. And I advise women to actually get that, whether they have any concerns or symptoms or not. I think it's just like, if you think about any other area of healthcare, If we undergo even minor surgeries or minor procedures, we usually get a checkup where someone checks the actual area that was operated on. Women have babies and that may be an abdominal surgery. That may be a vaginal delivery, which may involve trauma to the pelvic floor and stitches. And and yet we just get on with it, which is mad.
0: It's completely crazy. I could not agree more. I so love this point. It's something I rant about all the time, Gonia. Because I always say, like, like you say, you know, if you had knee surgery, you would have this, you know, fairly intensive physiotherapy follow up. But yet, as women, we go through pregnancy, where, like we just said, you know, our abdominal muscles are changing, our pelvic floor muscles changing. We then undergo this massive thing of birth, and it's like here's a leaflet or, you know, (laughs) here's your baby, crack on. You don't even get to rest, you know? No, and like
1: many women are going back to toddlers and like they're going home and they don't even get to rest at home because how many of us, as much as we mean to say we're not going to lift younger children, if they want mommy to lift them and hug them, you're going to give in and you're, you know, so I think we need to really make sure that women are being cared for and that they know what services are available because still in 2021, Even though all I feel like I talk about is pelvic health and pelvic health physio, I still meet women coming who maybe are 10 years after having their baby and are like, I never knew this sort of service existed. I'm like, why are we so unknown? I don't know.
0: It's so true, isn't it? You're, you are on it. And I have to say, your services are incredible. I went to see a um, pelvic health physiotherapist at sort of mid-second mid, mid second trimester of my pregnancy, didn't have any symptoms, just wanted that MOT, and thought actually this is a really important time to invest in our wellness when our body's undergoing all these changes. Um, and I can't can't recommend it enough to women. It was absolutely worth it. And I know sometimes, especially when you're seeking sort of a private service, sometimes finances can be a bit of a barrier to women what I really encourage is when it comes to you know, everyone wants to buy new mums and babies gifts don't they and have baby showers and then you end up with a hundred beautiful muslin blankets and baby grows but instead if you could say do you know what could you could you give me a voucher or put some money towards a pelvic health checkup and you'll reap so many more benefits from that so to anyone out there listening that is my kind of top tip for making sure you access someone like Gronio.
1: I think that's a fantastic idea, and I think that's a really, really useful present. Um I, it, it is invaluable, and you, as you say yourself, you've already seen the benefits of that mid-pregnancy assessment you got. But the amount of women who come, and they maybe aren't even sure what all is involved in uh, Pelvic Health Check, and they come usually when they're leaving, they're like, oh, my goodness, everybody needs to have this, like, even just to know, like, the majority of women don't even know how to do pelvic floor exercises correctly. Uh, You know, I always laugh, and it's something I share a lot with people, but everyone can appreciate going to either a personal trainer or a physio appointment for something like their shoulder, and we go to that appointment, we all know, we all have shoulders, we can see them. And you may be getting demonstrated an exercise by your personal trainer or by your physio to do a certain shoulder exercise. Makes sense. You see it, you're nodding, you get it because you know the function of that shoulder. And then when it comes to you demonstrating it, you just don't repeat it right and they may have to correct and fine tune you. So that's in an area of the body we see and that we know how it works. And then we expect women to, with a leaflet, with one cue of how to recruit muscles, to locate muscles that they don't see they can't see someone demonstrate and they don't really understand the function or what way they move. So we're setting women up to fail. And I think really everyone should get checked to make sure that they know how to do pelvic floor, because at least 50% of women coming into my clinic think they're doing them right. And then they find out that they're maybe recruiting every other muscle around it. So that's a really invaluable tip. And it, to make it relevant to diastasis, knowing how to engage your pelvic floor does have a role in diastasis rehabilitation. So if people have diastasis, I always want to make sure pelvic floor is recruiting correctly because that helps the p- pelvic floor muscles work with the abdominal wall muscles. So it's really key that we get all factors around the abdominal wall working.
0: That's a really, it's really about time, isn't it, that we kind of stopped disempowering women with this leaflet and started <laughs> making sure that we, we really invest in this area of our wellness. Um, and I, yeah, I'm super grateful for, for people like you out there. It's just such a shame when I dream of a world like I'm sure you do, where this is a standard part of NHS maternity care. Yeah.
1: Sadly, absolutely. we are
0: just not there, are we? We are just not there. But fingers crossed for future generations because it absolutely is essential, isn't it? Absolutely. So I say, we've, we've gone off on our little passionate rant there, I feel. But it's a really important one, a really important one. So I'm pleased that, <laughs> pleased that we're both kind of, kind of feeling that. Um, what is there anything we can do to, I know we can't prevent diastasis in pregnancy as such, but anything we can do to, I guess, limit the extent of it?
1: yeah uh, the evidence base isn't fully there yet we need lots more research and diastasis but certainly from our clinical understanding and talking to some of the people leading um the education for desks around the world we appreciate that things like avoiding constipation can have a huge role now some people listening might be like what has constipation got to do with diastasis? We use our abdominal wall when it comes to emptying our bowels. We mightn't think about it, but when you're on the toilet and you need to empty your bowels, you actually use your abdominal wall muscles to help get that pressure to empty. One of the things we hear time and time again, no matter what life stage you're at, is that we need to avoid constipation. And that's not just because it's a bit uncomfortable. It's actually because constipation increases, particularly for women, increases our risk factors for things like diastasis, but also pelvic floor dysfunction and pelvic organ prolapse and things so i'm huge into making sure that especially pregnant women when we have higher chances of getting constipation because we may be on iron supplements or just changes to our body may result in constipation so what i want everyone listening to think about is right straining is not going to be good for my abdominal wall especially as it's expanding and getting used to housing this baby So. A huge tip that's really useful is using a footstool to empty your bowels can really help make it easier to empty and prevent straining and get a better evacuation. So what that really means is a footstool. If anyone has kids out there, you can use the wee stools that you have for the kids to reach the sink or an upside down basin or just a wee footstool you buy in the pound shop. You don't need anything fancy or expensive. And if you have that and you put your feet flat on it, and you lean forward to put your elbows onto your knees, you're in a sort of squat position. And I always think it's really, it makes more sense for people to actually follow through and do this if they understand why. And I always like to tell women that if you have young kids running about who are in nappies, you'll notice that when they're a little bit older, They run about and they'll wee as they're running or walking, but you'll notice them huddle in a corner. Some are squatting down, usually, and that's how you tell that they're doing a a number two. Um, And it's so instinctive. We tend to want to squat down to poo, basically. And similar, there's some countries in the world still use low level holes in the ground. And if you think then when it comes to labor, we usually get into positions that involve the knees kind of being up towards the chest. So it's either in your back position, pulling them up, or some people like to be in a squat position. And that's a real instinctive open that pelvic area sort of instinct so using a footstool making sure you're hydrated eating well and if you're still having constipation talking to your GPs or healthcare professionals so that you maybe can get something to make sure those bowel motions aren't too difficult to pass.
0: I'm so pleased you said that because I after doing an episode with Claire Bourne on season one I got myself a little stool um, and my husband thinks it's hilarious he's like where's this stool come from why is it in the bathroom I'm like that's my creeping stool <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so pleased I can now tell him it's not because I've gone mad see no. good evidence for it supporting our pelvic floor <laughs> do
1: you know what men should be using it too and this is the funniest thing because yes women do have slightly different anatomy down below and I think women can really benefit from the likes of optimizing how we empty our bowels but it's the same principle. And also for anyone out there, this is, this is a focusing on women with the asses, but we throw other tidbits into anyone who has young children who have constipation, you can't use the same sort of stool, but putting them into that squat position on the toilet can be really useful for them because it just actually lengthens one of the muscles that goes round our I suppose our rectum and it makes that exit straighter it makes it easier so there's not a much of a bend for the motion to get round. so it's it's it there's a there's a method to the madness and it makes a difference and anyone who usually gets a stool and uses it usually notices a difference and nearly be like how have I not known about this for so many years but particularly for that postpartum poo Mm. everyone has the fear of that first postpartum poo no matter how you deliver and no matter how straightforward a textbook it goes there's a little bit of a fear of doing your first bowel motion and a little bit of the unknown and it can be really reassuring to be in that squat position
0: I love that. So everyone is uh, now got their job of not just checking in <laughs> with the pelvic health physio, but getting their footstools out as well for the whole family. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Amazing. So we definitely want to then try and, as I said, reduce um, constipation or, or ideally avoid constipation in pregnancy to try and reduce the severity of the diastasis. Is there anything else that we can do, Gonya, to try and yep.
1: reduce that? Definitely. In general, keeping active and strong and we know that physical activity is really important and over the years, our understanding of the benefits across all populations has increased and we now know that even your pregnancy physical activity is so important and it's actually generally across the board it's safe unless you have some sort of medical concerns that are unique to your situation. Um, But you'll know about that, and you'll be informed about that. So basically, we still encourage women to get 150 minutes of exercise per week, and this should be a combination of cardiovascular exercise, but also a little bit of strength or resistance training. And I find that when women keep active and keep strong, it does benefit them. They still will probably get that natural widening towards the end of pregnancy. They might get a little bit of doming, but I think it's the recovery afterwards tends to be a little bit more streamlined, and it makes sense across the board we're better when we're stronger and when we keep muscles conditioned if we don't use it we tend to lose it and this is my fear with the is because there is a little bit of a black hole out there that if women hear the term and google it there's a lot of conflicting messages and a lot of fear mongering across the internet and so women may find out that they have a little bit of separation happening during the pregnancy, they may Google it and they may think, oh my goodness, there's all these exercises I can't do. So then they stop and they pull back. And essentially what we're doing to women there is we're deserving them because they're starting to decondition. So I want to reassure women that this doesn't have to be scary and you don't have to stop everything you're doing. Just keep strong. Now, if you were doing really high level exercise, so say you're someone who's really into CrossFit and you were doing CrossFits and just modifying them as you go along in your pregnancy but if you notice that with certain exercises you're having quite a lot of d- pointing or doming of that bump outwards you might scale that back because if we can take some of the stretch of pressure off that area we're not we're not encouraging more stretch basically so I would say just listen to your body and if something feels like it's too much abdominal effort or pressure, or you're seeing a lot of dome outwards, scale back that movement, but don't fear every little bit of dome or moving across the board.
0: That's a really good point. And I remember sort of in my second trimester doing a full press up and it just started to feel a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit stretching. I was like, oh, time, time to scale it back. And I think it's important that we recognize it just because we can do an exercise at a certain stage of pregnancy. It doesn't mean it's the most helpful thing for our body at that point, but also we don't want to just stop and sit on the sofa. So it's that balance, isn't it?
1: And it's like most women, like our bodies are quite smart that they do kind of, they evolve through pregnancy and they tell us what we need to do almost because it's the same thing with like most women for the first trimester and into the second trimester can easily sit up normally out of bed. But then there comes a point where you just have to roll onto your side because it just becomes that physically, it becomes uncomfortable and difficult and it makes more sense to roll onto your side and you just do that naturally. You don't need to be told to do it. So our bodies are very smart and that's what I love to get out there. Sometimes I think about, I'm sure you're the same being a midwife and seeing births all the time and following pregnancies. How amazing are our bodies that they just, I can't, sometimes it blows my mind that we can grow humans, deliver them and then just go back do you know what I mean like it it boggles my mind it is
0: incredible isn't it women are just brilliant which is why we need to make sure that we're supporting our bodies for sure most definitely so and also I think when when we talk about exercise as well Gonya I don't about you but it amazes me when especially sort of maybe a couple of generations back so so definitely my my grandparents generation sits in this is that it was very much when you were pregnant that's it you have to rest you have to put your feet up you shouldn't be lifting anything or running or cycling or any of that stuff and thankfully we're starting to change the tone on that but it just makes sense to keep active doesn't it because when your new baby's here and your body is recovering from pregnancy and birth, and diastasis is absolutely part of that recovery process, you're having to pick your baby up. You're having to get on and off the sofa, lift a baby out of a cot, pick up a car seat in one hand. So every day you're doing things like a deadlift, a squat, an overhead press, without even realizing with an awkward ever-growing weight. So actually conditioning our body for that in pregnancy is only gonna help that postpartum recovery.
1: 100%, you're You're preaching to the, converted because this is something that i regularly say like there's a because i still see messages out there where women are being told to to significantly scale back and kind of take it easier or like people who were into high level who were really strength and conditioned and doing certain types of exercise say you were a crossfitter and they're nearly being told oh, you can't do crossfit during pregnancy and so then they have to scale back to a type of pregnancy or to a type of exercise that they maybe don't enjoy as much that they do then have relative deconditioning with then we're expecting them to, as soon as they've had the baby, do all those activities. And as much as we may have people on board to help, you still will end up putting loads in the washing machine. You still will end up carrying, shopping at times, putting car seats in the car. like all this and carrying a pram, like even lifting a pram out of a car. All these things are quite high load exercises. So we need to, as you say, make pe- women prepared for this and make sure we're serving them properly. I love that message. And I love that idea of keep, and rehab should be, functional for that it should have the tasks in mind that we have to do but overall whether you're pregnant or in the postpartum stage I'm a huge advocate that exercise needs to be meaningful to you and it needs to be enjoyable it shouldn't be what someone told you to do it should be well what type of exercise do you like doing because that's how people adhere to exercise that's how they're more likely to commit and they get that feel good factor from it because it's enjoyable
0: yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I'm all for, let's let's embrace movement, moving our bodies in pregnancy. So many so many benefits to be reaped from it. The other thing I wanted to ask you, Garnier, is we know that our bodies are so interconnected, so our kind of core system isn't isolated on its own. It's obviously connected to all other parts of our body. So can doing our pelvic floor exercises correctly and regularly in pregnancy, which are two other complete podcast episodes and chats, really, that we should have, um, but can doing that help with diastasis?
1: Yeah, so I always want to make sure that women are correctly activating the pelvic floor. So pelvic floor is going to become your friend when you're pregnant and postpartum because, one, you need to do it for the changes that are going to occur to the pelvic floor anyway. So even in pregnancy, before we've had a baby, our pelvic floor has significantly lengthened and it's been loaded because there's, there's a uterus with a baby just above it. Um, so there's going to be strength and conditioning needs after having the baby regardless then throw in whatever type of delivery you have it could be an abdominal delivery or if you have a vaginal delivery you may have more trauma to the pelvic floor so you're going to be needing to recover with that but in terms of diastasis when we do anything so our abdominal wall and abdominal cavity basically it manages intra-abdominal pressure. So we go and we cough, we go lift something, we raise our voice, all those change the pressure in our abdomen and it's our muscles around that that actually control that. So part of that's the abdominal wall, part of that's the diaphragm up above and part of it's the pelvic floor down below and then the back muscles as well. So there's this nice canister. So you can't just, like focus or rehabilitate one area of that you have to think about all of them and how they link together and actually what a lot of women don't realize is that even when we're breathing there's a nice relationship or synergy between our respiratory diaphragm our abdominal wall and our pelvic floor so when we breathe in the diaphragm lowers or it it lengthens we don't feel it but the pelvic floor does the same thing And the abdominal wall expands so there's this nice relationship and we want to make sure that that's not compromised afterwards so part of that is doing pelvic floor it also in my clinical opinion i find that women get better tension across that midline just when they do pelvic floor there is a response with the deeper abdominal wall muscles and i find that they get a nice tension which i think improves how we load the abdominal wall when we're trying to rehabilitate diastasis so Basically, fun fact is that we need to be doing pelvic floor after having a baby for a multitude of reasons.
0: Perfect. So that's a, another job. We've got our stools to get. We've got to check in and, else is and we've got to be making sure that we're doing those pelvic floors regularly and correctly.
1: Yes. Perfect. Tick.
0: Those are three, three bits of homework. I love it. And <laughs> is there anything that might predispose us to um, a, a perhaps a more severe diastasis than our friend or family member?
1: Yeah. So usually what we understand currently is that about one third of women will not have a natural um, resolving or re- or re- turn of their abdominal walls so for two-thirds of us we're very lucky we might go through pregnancy and not even ever have heard of diastasis and it never features in our life because we don't notice any difference afterwards we naturally recover after having a baby and things go back relatively to the way we were beforehand for one-third unfortunately there can be ongoing separation and the factors that we consider at the minute that may impact our genetics which is something we can't change so some of us are just more predisposed and that's how our connective tissue responds to things like stretch and prolonged stretch and if you think about things like even stretch marks some of us get stretch marks and some of us don't and that's just how our genetic makeup responds to that stretch in the skin and similarly some of us may have stretch in that midline connective tissue and it doesn't just recoil back in when they've looked not to get too technical but when they've looked at some studies of Women who were undergoing abdominal plastic surgery. So women undergo surgery for um, many reasons. Some of them are just want to have a tummy tuck and lose some weight in the abdominal wall. Other women are getting a tummy tuck and they want th- they have diastasis, so they were getting some repair. So one surgeon did a study where they took a sample of the linea alba from women who were just getting it and didn't have diastasis, and women who were getting it and also had diastasis. And they found that there was a difference in the collagen makeup. So the genetics and, and, and composition of that collagen was slightly different in the women who had diastasis. So they had less of that collagen type that's recoil or stretchy. So, again, that some of us are just going to be predisposed. Other things that may predispose us are there's some studies have shown that lots of really prolonged heavy lifting. So if you have lots of children and the heavy children that you're lifting, because you're doing a lot of repetitive load, that may be a factor. But again, how many of us can avoid that? If we're moms and we have kids, that's just our life. And So I'm not telling people not to lift their kids. I'm just more saying that this is what some of the correlations have been shown. Um, And things like I've talked about, if you are suffering with constipation and you're not able to manage it better, that could be a factor that may predispose someone. But I think the majority of it will be down to collagen and genetics.
0: So we shouldn't beat ourselves up if uh, if your friends told you that they've got no abdominal separation post-baby and perhaps you are suffering with it. It's not anything you've done. It is mm. unfortunately somewhat out of our control as women. Absolutely. <laughs> That's all, all the fun stuff usually are, aren't they? I know. <laughs> now, what do you, I wonder what you kind of see, Gonya, when in, in your clinics and things, when women present perhaps with a diastasis. Are there any kind of particular or common themes and issues that tend to be associated with it? I'm guessing kind of, from a psychological perspective, actually dealing with that change must be quite challenging but kind of any other physical and and kind of psychological issues that you see commonly in your practice. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
1: Yeah, so it really is quite a wide um, impact in Issue. so if anyone is listening there and does have to ask you're not alone if you're finding this a bit of a struggle or hard to deal with it's that's actually something that many women find and we're all women we're all human we all want to return after having a baby and so the main reason I'm going to be really upfront now the main reason women present to my clinic isn't usually that they're looking to get stronger it's usually that they have this what they would call mommy tummy that isn't going away they feel like they've started to recover everywhere else so they may be back into their normal you know clothes for everywhere else in their body other than their tummy which doesn't seem to have changed and psychologically that can be so annoying like a lot of women are getting asked when they're expecting their baby and they're postpartum they've had their baby and that can be a real kick in the teeth or a real triggering moment and um, but we do notice that a lot of women are finding that they are weak as well so they find that they can't get up out. they can't just sit up out of bed anymore they nearly need to kind of either throw themselves up or still roll onto the side because they don't have the physical strength they're really fearful about what they can or cannot be doing so they just don't know what exercise to be doing and that's a really um stressful and anxiety producing sort of situation to be because for a lot of us women exercise is for not just our physical health but it's our mental well-being as well and it's how we cope with things and it's our identity so having a baby can be a huge life change you can you know life gets in some ways totally turned upside down so every life as you know it and your identity as a person and whatever job you have and who you are and a family and friends gets totally shifted once you have a baby and you suddenly become a mom with a baby and there's part of us that really needs to have those elements of our previous identity and that could be exercise so if you're someone with diastasis and I've looked at the internet and are like, oh my goodness, I cannot do any sorts of exercise because everything is going to make this worse. You get stuck in this position of not knowing what to do. So I tend to find a lot of fear coming in. Um, and I'm trying to think, yeah, it's just a lot of it's the body image, self-confidence, and emotional well being. And like you've already mentioned, Pip, comparison, because a lot of women will have friends who've just had babies too, and they're like, but they've just recovered and they're fine and I've still got this what have I done wrong so rehab is really important and it's really important to go and get evaluated because there is help out there
0: yeah 100% I think that's the message isn't it actually realizing there is something that can be done and that you don't need to suffer and I guess getting that help sooner rather than later is more beneficial especially when it comes to your psychological well-being in that postpartum period when generally everyone feels a little bit more vulnerable anyway because your body's changing you're navigating this whole new life and this whole new human that has suddenly come into your life, and so you want to be want to be feeling kind of strong and capable and supported by those services around you, most definitely. So when we talk about we talked about some of the exercises, so things like doming in pregnancy um, and I guess postpartum as well. Are there any exercises, one that you would say are kind of no goes to avoid, or is it very kind of independent on each woman and how their body's responding?
1: Yeah. So I would say that over the years, my thinking and understanding of diastasis has evolved I used to be someone 10 years ago I would have been very cautious and getting people to avoid things like planks and sit-ups and anything that was really high level and then as the research didn't really support that and then also as we started to realize kind of what we've already touched on today that actually the women that we're serving have to be able to deadlift a pram or a baby into a cot and they need to be able to do things overhead like it doesn't make sense that we're limiting this way we need to make them strong so basically there's no set right or wrong exercises and that sounds like okay well what do we do then basically if you're doing an exercise and you are not seeing any significant doming after having your baby and it feels okay it's probably okay. So I want to reduce the fear about moving and you don't have to think about doing things in a certain way or stopping and setting all these muscles before you move. I want women to feel empowered that to freely move and to, to just do exercises that they enjoy. Now in the early postpartum weeks, it can be quite sensible. Pilates type exercises or yoga type exercises and movement are really good in those earlier weeks because they're that bit more gentle but they're also getting those the brain cued in with these muscles that have been stretched for so long and maybe not used in the same way and um, but as the weeks go on we need to be increasing the difficulty and the load of it I'm big into functional things like even from you know weeks three four even like doing squats and getting the lower legs going because you're going to be using those as a mom but I would say it depends on the type of exercise you're interested in and unless you're getting any symptoms such as pain in the abdominal wall, significant doming. Now, one thing I will touch on is that doming postpartum doesn't have to be overly feared. If you see a bit of doming, you don't have to panic. A lot of times when women dome in the early postpartum period, it's just because we still have loose tissue and connective tissue and we now have like a baby used to be in there and now we have it's not in there anymore. So sometimes when we go and move, tissue and things can dome up but you if you were actually doing a certain exercise and you pressed on that tissue in the midline it would probably squish back down so it's not true outward pressure. I'm only concerned about outward pressure that when you feel it during the exercise it feels really hard. And it's kind of like you said about doing a press up. Our bodies are very intuitive that when we usually get a bit of a feeling about something that oh that doesn't feel quite right. And if you're getting that feeling I would probably scale back the exercise and if in doubt if you can access a pelvic health as you do and you can access. You can get your GP or midwife or health um, visitor to refer you into your local NHS pathway to, um, to see a pelvic health physio. So it depends if you if if you can't afford to access someone directly, definitely get into your local services.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's a really good point, and I think that's really reassuring for women to hear. Actually, so it's kind of almost like test your body, see how that looks, see how that feels to you, and go from there. But don't feel that kind of pressure just because it's working for somebody else it doesn't mean that's necessarily the right thing for your body and again it's that try not to compare thing which I think as women especially in that pregnancy and postpartum is in all honesty quite difficult to avoid isn't it but we really need to work on just recognizing that we're all individual yeah most definitely so when we think about um the diastasis postpartum gone yeah is it something that women can sort of try and assess for themselves or would you always recommend speaking to a professional
1: i'm i think that women can absolutely have a feel themselves some women don't like touching their midline especially if they think there's a gap and again it comes down to how we think about it if if, if everyone listening can understand the task not scary it becomes much easier to think right it's okay to have a wee poke there and you're not going to do any damage but i wouldn't be too worried about assessing it in the very early weeks because there is going to be a gap there it's more kind of around that six to eight week postpartum time frame that if you were kind of wondering or you were seeing a bit of dome or you just wanted to check out of interest lying on your back with your knees bent and feet flat on the floor and you can just basically poke your fingers into the midline and see do the sink in and to if if they're sinking in in certain parts you can then do a bit of a chin to chest or a wee bit of a sit-up and what we sometimes feel there is you almost feel the muscles hug around your fingers if there's a gap Um, and it's not scary to worry about but if you feel a gap and you're not sure get your midwife get your even your health visitor, get someone to have a look if they're not sure exactly how to assess it they'll probably have heard of it and they may be able to even signpost you where to go but it's something that you can certainly have a feel of and I actually have a a a handbook on diastasis that I've demonstrated how people can self-measure and that's available on my website so if anyone wasn't sure you can have a look Um, and there's there's actually just content across my grid in general about diastasis that can be really useful for people to um, have a to get lost down you can go down that rabbit hole because it's all evidence and forms so I'm happy enough with that
0: yeah that's a really good point actually hitting google is not always helpful so Mm -hmm. instead in the description of this episode you'll find Grunia's, um Instagram page and also website so hit those up instead of going down a, a Google or Wikipedia rabbit hole <laughs> please <laughs> uh, perfect so actually there, there is a way that we could try and sort of assess ourselves which is really helpful so I'll definitely make sure we can make that accessible and am I right in thinking Gonya, that it can happen anywhere kind of along the um along the midline so that could be just above the belly button at the belly button below or kind of along the length itself
1: yes so it's all it's very individual from person to person and it depends on the way your body's responded to that stretch and it depends on multiple factors like uh, past medical history and just how what sort of exercise and type of load you did in the abdominal wall beforehand the majority of women will find their if they're going to have prolonged diastasis they will find that it's at the belly button and above because that area of the connective tissue is actually a little bit thinner and just the way it's made up in everyone but some women only separate from the belly button below some women have the whole length of it as you've mentioned so it's very individual usually if you were trying to assess yourself I'd go just above the belly button because you're probably likely to have a gap there but then you can feel at different lengths along it and compare because if you're not if you feel something and you think is that a gap Am I, when I do a little like head lift, am I feeling those muscles hug around my fingers? If you're not sure, then go maybe just below the ribs or up, up at the top of the abdominal wall and feel there and go, oh yeah, that definitely is because that feels different up there. I can't even sink into a gap. So that must be a gap down there. And it's a nice way of kind of confirming.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's a really nice tip. And then, when I sort of a little bit of research that I've done about diastasis, and um, they kind of talk a lot about widths of um, the gap and also depths of the gap. How significant are those two things when we come to looking at it and rehabilitating?
1: So, our understanding has moved well beyond worrying about the actual width of it. So, we can still have like we want the one of the things that's really interesting to think about is none of us before having a baby ever think about how wide our baseline connective tissue is like our muscles are not joined together completely straight to each other there's connective tissue in there so all of us just as varied as everything in our anatomy is some of us may have a one centimeter width already some of us may have two centimeters depending what we're doing and fun fact if you actually look at bodybuilders who are male Sometimes because you can see their definition so clearly, if you ever see pictures of bodybuilders, you will be able to see their six-pack muscles and you'll see some of them have actually widening um, along their midline. And that's just because of the amount of load and strain they've done the abdominal wall. Is it an issue? No, these men are really strong, really fit. So that's why I'm trying to say the width doesn't always matter. The depth, I would say, does matter. And this is my clinical experience. I would say the depth, nothing is ripped or torn, but it's just that the... Amount of connective tissue in layers has maybe thinned out a little bit. And I tend to find, obviously, if we can restore that depth a bit, we've got more support there. So if we're looking to support the abdominal wall better, particularly for the aesthetics of it, we want to get that depth back. And how do we get that? Will we load loading? And what I mean by loading is just doing exercises that target that connective tissue and abdominal wall, because that's how we stimulate change in the same way as when we have a fracture or a muscle tear or a tendon injury rehabilitation is targeted to load the area and that's how we stimulate like repair and collagen laid iron and I think the same thing is what's needed in diastasis rehabilitation.
0: And I guess like if you had surgery of any other part and you were loading it to repair it that's where having kind of some expert guidance is really helpful and especially I guess when it comes to diastasis in the postpartum women are really worried to you know do a certain exercise that potentially might make that worse rather than helping to rehabilitate it and so i guess that's where seeking some expert guidance can be really really helpful and get exercises that are specific to to you and your diastasis
1: and your needs yeah and the thing is that that's the reason why there are no one size fits all exercises because it depends on how you're coming in and presenting and it depends on your past medical history and multiple things and your lifestyle because. Our bodies are really, really smart, so even if we have a gap there and it's persistent postpartum, our body will figure out a way to adapt around it, and that might mean that it gets you to change how you move, so you now roll on your side to get out because you just physically can't get up. It may be that you use a lot of your upper abdominal muscles because they're stronger, so it just targets them for more activities than it used to, which is fine, but then if we're trying to load the abdominal wall, we maybe need to use less of those upper muscles and more of the lower or deeper abdominal muscles. So that may be where I would focus on rehabilitation with one woman coming in, where the next woman coming in isn't overusing those muscles and she may be doing something different or she may need to work on pelvic floor to really get that connection. So it, rehab is really individual when it comes to diastasis and it depends on how you're presenting and how your body's already coping with it. Um, so that's why I would say, don't go for prescriptive one size fits all programs if you're in a position where you can't access any help because not all of us can and even service provision across our geographical areas may be more difficult for some people so what i would say is go to like a postpartum Pilates class or a post do an online postpartum class or something like that because usually you'll be doing a variety of movements and exercises that will some of them will be absolutely totally appropriate for you to be loading so I just advise people to get moving regardless
0: yeah that's a good point I love that I love that message just get moving your body <laughs> I love it two things just cropped up when we went when we were chatting there um, and I wondered how, whether posture, so obviously correct posture and correct breath work, especially when it comes to women who perhaps are doing things like weightlifting in pregnancy or squats, et cetera, can they help with um, preventing a more excessive diastasis? So just two things that cropped up when I was kind of thinking.
1: Yeah, so... First and foremost, there's a lot of, posture is always one of those really debatable topics because mm. our understanding in, in terms of posture and a lot of the research has been done with pain, like say back pain, um, has debunked how significant posture is because really people who sit slumped have probably the same risk factor for back pain as people who sit straight. But when it comes to diastasis, there is actually a impact with it because if we think of pregnant women, And we think as the bump evolves, we start to kind of have to lean back. We have to change our posture So, in order to balance. So when we do kind of arch our back in the way that pregnant women do, that kind of puts more of a stretch in the midline abdominal wall. And we also know that our ribs in pregnancy have to move up and out, and that's to accommodate that growing bump. And I sometimes find that if the ribs don't start to come back in naturally, like a lot of us don't have to think about it and um, our body just, kind of makes its way back towards something similar to what we were like prenatal we'll touch on the fact that it doesn't have to be exactly the same in a minute but for some women the ribs still stay quite flared so if you're someone who finds that again you're at a stage of postpartum where you're back to normal sizes everywhere else maybe but the tummy and also your bra size around your back has never went back I would sometimes think i wonder are your ribs still kind of sitting quite flared? and there's nothing wrong with that and there's nothing that you are doing wrong it's just that you may need to get abdominal exercises that really target load in a certain way that help you not flare the ribs to get extra stability now the other thing you mentioned pip was breath work and breath work as a pelvic health physio this is so up my street and um, breath work is so important as i mentioned earlier the diaphragm the pelvic floor and the abdominal wall all work together And therefore, it's really important that we manage intra-abdominal pressure with breath. For someone who's weightlifting, if you were continuing weightlifting prenatally, I want to make sure that when women are doing higher level loads, that they're not holding their breath. And sometimes that's a strategy that's taught in weightlifting, and it can be really useful because it does actually make us feel more capable to lift heavier. But for women... Breath holding increases the intra-abdominal pressure, and that may be counterproductive when we're pregnant and when we've got things like pelvic organs, pelvic floors, and abdominal walls that can change. So I like to tell women to blow as you go. So if you're doing like the actual work of a weight lift, so a deadlift, as you're actually pulling up, you do you breathe out or blow as you go. Same thing can carry through into postpartum when you're lifting a baby in a car seat into the car. I like to make sure that women don't hold their breath because some of them do. You'll start to see women everywhere going and holding their breath to get that round. I like to get them to think of blow as you go and it doesn't have to be that obvious, just don't hold your breath.
0: I love that because that was something that um, I've always done, I've always lifted weights and I've always held my breath. Not that anyone's ever told me to, it's just what I've naturally done. Yeah, and when I went to have my um, pelvic health, kind of MOT if you like in pregnancy, she was, gave me a kettlebell and told me, I think, just squat with it or swing with it or something. And she was like, why are you holding your breath? And I was like, it's just, just what I do. And she was like, well, let's work on that. And I love that blow as you go because it feels, it still to me is something I'm working on, connecting that breath with the lift. I think it's undoing years and years and years of really bad habits. But that blow as you go—that's a really nice, like snappy thing to think about. I love yeah, that. Yeah,
1: and you know what? I should give credit that Julie Weeb is a physio in the U- United States of America, and she she coined that blow as you go. So I'm I'm stealing it from her, <laughs> but I'll give kudos to Julie because it it is a really nice way of remembering it. And um, and I also think when you're trying to re- so say for someone like you who's trying to break like habits, like our body works on habits. We tend to go for what our brain is used to doing. Um, and if you're trying to break it. I sometimes think that you have to actually consciously think of blow as you go, which is a wee bit more exaggerated. Um, So like if you were doing a kettlebell swing, you would actually like blow as you're doing it because that's how you're going to focus to change that strategy. But as time goes on and you change it, you'll not have to think about that and you'll not have to blow as you go. You'll just be breathing. But there's nothing. What you've done there is really instinctive because that's what the majority of us do. And we know that it's actually a quicker, more effective way of getting better ability to lift heavier if we have that brace or that um breath hold but it's just because of women and our anatomy and the changes we go through and now that we're having babies and keeping more active we need to maybe know some of these wee tidbits so that we can prevent future problems
0: oh I love that that's definitely something I'm going to be telling myself on my next workout <laughs> <laughs> that's my, my top tip takeaway I love it so back to um, I went off on a tangent there because it just <laughs> cropped up to my mind. I thought, oh, I wonder, I wonder what your thoughts are. Um, but back to kind of postpartum diastasis, is it fixable? If we've got a gap, can we completely fix that gap? What does that look like?
1: Well, we can definitely rehabilitate it fully, but it's what our um, it's what our understanding of fully is. So again, I sometimes actually have women come into clinic who have done really well with rehab and they're coming in because their gap isn't closed. And when I assess them, they don't have a diastasis, but they can maybe feel this slight ridge um, between their muscles when they do things. And I'm like, that was probably their baseline, like before they had a baby, but who was checking their gap before they had a baby? Mm-hmm. And because there is no depth to anything, you don't feel a gap prenatally. And um, you can definitely rehabilitate. I have lots of women who respond really well to progressive loading and abdominal exercises and whole body sort of exercises. And they end up, yeah, they could, you know, women could come in with an eight finger width gaps, quite significant gaps, and they could end up then by the end of it having two or less, which is considered normal, which means that they don't look or feel like they have a diastasis anymore. And that's basically where you're aiming to go. I think in general, we need to reframe what we understand about postpartum bodies. And I think we're in a day and age which is really unfortunate. Instagram and social media is great, but it's created this false expectation of what female bodies are. Like we're seeing pictures of women who have had babies and maybe two days later in a bikini looking fabulous, looking better than I look prenatally. Do you know what I mean? And you're just like, "What?" that's the expectation put on us. And then I think we all then think that's the way we're supposed to be, but our bodies have been through 10 months of changes that does not just change straight away. And some of the research studies we have out there have demonstrated that even at a year after having a baby the abdominal wall muscles are still showing signs of recovery so we need to reframe what we think is normal and also newsflash women's abdominal walls are not ever completely flat so even though that's what we see on a daily basis in social media we have organs and actually from our pelvis or our pubic bone at the front Our abdomen is supposed to round up a little bit. That's normal. So I think that we need to start normalising what female bodies are and not having those horrible expectations on women.
0: Oh, 100%. I totally echo that. I'm all for that. And also, you're postpartum forever. You know, your body's gone through this massive transformation. We can't ever take that away. know you are postpartum forever and so looking after things like this is is really investing in the wellness of of the rest of your life it's not just a quick fix so that you can go to the beach and feel like somebody else looks on social media it is for the wellness of your body for the rest of your life so it's really really important to consider absolutely Thank you, Gronje. I feel like I've learned loads from today. I feel like I've just had like picked your brains and I hope that everyone listening has also learned loads and feels less scared about so I think that's really important, isn't it? Normalizing it, realizing what services are available um, and how important it is that actually we do spend time focusing on our wellness and our whole pelvic floor um, and abdominal health as women. But I wonder whether you could leave us with some of your top tips. I always ask for three top tips. So sorry to throw you on the spot a little bit. <laughs> Um, and and narrowing it down to three might be a challenge but I wonder if you could share your three top tips to women either prenatally or postnatally who are concerned about diastasis or have identified that they have got one
1: yes so my top tips would be regardless of diastasis or no diastasis use a footstool and do pelvic floor so those things are a given and across the board they will help you if you have diastasis but they're also important if you don't so everybody can take that away (laughs) Um, yes I'm trying to think See, see or plan or look into how you may have a way of accessing a pelvic health check after having a baby. And it's really important to start thinking about that while you're pregnant so that you can either suggest to people because you will get people asking you, like you said, people will be like, is there anything I can get you? I don't want to get you something that you don't need. It's really important to be able to go, do you know what? I would actually love a gift voucher for here or you know somewhere that you know does a pelvic health check or could you donate some money that I will start a collection or during your pregnancy, start a little jar that when you have loose change or something you put into. So then afterwards you have your money for a postpartum check because it will be really well-spent money and it will really, really change your postpartum journey because you'll feel so much more content and validated and happy and know what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and my last top tip would be... Let me see if basically just keep an active, regardless of whether you've heard that you've got a diastasis, during pregnancy or you hear about it afterwards. Don't stop what you're doing, panic and stop moving and exercising, because for all the reasons we touched on today, we need to keep mom strong. And actually, the stronger your muscles are and the more they're being used, the better your rehabilitation potential is with diastasis.
0: Amazing. I love those tips. I love it. So that's our definite take home. That's really, really helpful. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful for your time and your expertise. And as I said, please check out Gwanya's Instagram page and website for more uh, evidence-based information so you've got some good, reliable sources, um, which you can all find in the episode description.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I'm so delighted that you're championing and spreading the word and important topics like this and helping women out there. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Grenier.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you found it helpful, then please hit subscribe and leave a review. It really does make a huge difference to the number of women I can reach out to and empower with this information. For more daily free information, inspiration or details on my bespoke antenatal education courses or your pregnancy journey course, then head over to my website www.midwifepip.com and check out my Instagram page at midwife underscore pip. Thank you and see you next time.